and then all my friends, you know, you know, speaking into um, if this is a good decision to marry this woman. And then my family was a huge thing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my family is very accepting, very loving. And they're, they're not the type to say, you can't do this or you can't do that. Like my life growing up, I was pretty free. So mm-hmm. they, they haven't started to become very stringent now. And, and so, you know, they would really bring anybody, but they really, really accepted her and said like, this is amazing. And, and she's someone that we want mm-hmm. you to, you to be with. And, and that, it, it, then it just becomes a weight lifted. It's like I can put my decision making on so many other people. And I do it a lot with, with just seeking advice, like good counsel for business ideas and, and decisions that I'm making. Like I'll take these ideas and I'll talk like your dad's a financial advisor. Like he, he's someone that I can talk money about mm-hmm. and there's not, there's no ignorance there. And I've got other friends that are entrepreneurs and, and they're here. They are, you know, living through struggle and, and becoming successful and all that other stuff. And I get to like bounce ideas off them. Like It's like I don't even make decisions. I just bring them to the council of... Your board. Yes. Johnny's personal board. The council of wisdom that... I was going to say council of water sheep. Do you watch PewDiePie? No, not anymore. Okay. He's, you've got a thing about council of water sheep. It's hilarious. It's his Minecraft series. Hilarious. Uh, but I bring it to the council. and They yeah. pour in and they t- tell the truth. And, and, and they also tell the truth from different perspectives. Like I said, you've got a guy that's separated. His idea of advice for, for a married man is fight everything you have to keep this marriage. You know, Not that I'm going, going to advice with struggling things like that. But that's mm-hmm. like their perspective of like I don't want – like it's so – I've lost it. Keep it. Work mm-hmm. as hard as you can. And that might be different from a guy that's been married for 25 years. You know, He might have just a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just – I'm, I'm – I'm lifted up by other people now. With that, do you ever get like there's too much choice or too much pressure? Like I would, I would feel information overload personally at that level. So there's I'm a like, consensus usually. Okay, I always go. I typically go with my gut. Like I, I take, I bring some things to my friends about whether it's a a girl I might be talking to or whatnot, and they're like, I was, I was saying, you know, I, I want to go on a third date with her. I'm really interested. I'm gonna call her. And apparently all my friends think calling that nowadays is a act of desperation if you're trying to get a third date and she hasn't responded to you for like two days. But I'm like, I don't care. I'm If she says no, she says no. But I'm going to come across and show that I'm trying to pursue it yeah. if I have to, if I'm interested. Every friend said no, don't call her. I called her. We went on the third date. That's right. I was like... When you... And, and this is like jumping... Like my, my dating advice mm-hmm. is is pursue with everything that you've got but you have to make up your mind yeah like when i knew i wanted i knew i wanted to marry my wife early on i took it to the council i made sure everyone was on the board and then like decision was made there was no wavering the Mm -hmm. first date with my wife she wanted to she was actually planning to break up with me we never went out when it was the first time we were on a date we knew each other from she knew my sister in the church and so on and then the first date she had heard something before and she's like i'm you know i'm gonna cut this guy off and so we're on Main Street Unionville, and she's like, oh, we got to go to the Starbucks. And I was like, oh, you want to go to Starbucks? No, no, no. We're going to go to this Mexican restaurant. And I know she loves Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And so if she said no to Mexican food, it would be like her denying her faith. Like, it would, like she cannot go against Mexican food. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, I cannot compute. I have to, oh, I have to do this. Yeah. But I was not saying – I was not taking no. And so I didn't know that any of this was happening. 
And she's like, oh, it's loud in here. Let's go out. And sitting on the bench, uh, that doesn't even exist anymore, Main Street Union Vote. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm just not thinking that we should talk or whatever. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm like, I said, I'm really disappointed in that. Like, I'm just, I wasn't expecting that. It's really strange. And then I like somehow through sheer determination just like did not accept it. Yeah. And this is like, can be taken the wrong way. It's like, yeah, when a woman says no, she means no. Yeah. Okay. But this is not the same sexual advance. Context. context. This yeah. is like her saying, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I should, we should talk. We're not interested. And I was like, it just, I just had this sheer determination. Like, no, like that's not the way that this is. That's not in the cards for this. Mm-hmm. Like, you are going to be with me. This is how it's going to happen. And it was like I had made up my mind. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that date, we were miraculously holding hands, walking around Main Street Unionville. And she has no idea how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, to this day, she's like, I don't know how you did it. Well, it's funny because I was – I think my brother asked out his now wife three times before she said yes. Yes. Um, but I was at a work party a week ago, just over a week ago, and I was sitting across from like top sales guy at the company. Like he's been there since the start. He's the he handles all like the sponsorship sales, so he does like the big the big deals. Mm-hmm. And uh, all the other guys around the table were trying to get everything out of them that, that they could. But then him and I were talking a bit later, a bit more uh, personally because I'm not a, I'm not a sales guy there, so I wasn't really thirsting for his like his experience or anything yes. like that. Him and I were just talking about the styles that I use to, you know, do what I do upstairs. And he said, sometimes it takes, where he says, I, I make contact with these people six times a day, the people I'm trying to sell to, the people that I know might be interested in, in it, um, because I'm trying to hit them at every point all the time. Like, are you interested? Are you interested? Are you interested? Like, I know you, I heard you were interested. Like, are you, in, like, keep going, right? And uh, the thing he finished off with was, he's like, Luke, I asked out my wife 10 times before she said yes. Right. You think I give a shit what any of these salespeople think? Yes. He's like, I don't. He's like, I'm with my wife who yeah. I asked out 10 times. That's all the pursuing I need. Everything after that, easy as pie. Right. And I was like, oh shit. Persistence. Yeah. It's a confidence thing. It's like, I don't, if you're going to say no to me, I'm not actually going to like even let that hit me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go right past it because I see a different picture and I'm going to build a different picture and I want to move through it. Like it's, it's having a higher level of vision and especially with like male leadership and relationship, like guys are there to make decisions. And that's my kind of defining thing about manhood and masculinity. I just believe that the core of masculinity is decision making. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe me, Try to frustrate your girlfriend by or wife by saying, where do you want to go eat? You, you, you've you just emasculated yourself. You've just given all of your gusto and power away. I do a trick when I was dating Melissa and I would walk across the street and jaywalk mm-hmm. and see if she followed me without any hesitation. Because if she looks both ways, she doesn't trust you. Mm-hmm. And she's not... Seeking for me, she doesn't. She doesn't. She hasn't not submitted in the quotations mm-hmm. submitted, you know, to leadership. She's not, and that doesn't mean that there's something wrong with her. It's something wrong with me because mm-hmm. I haven't given her an opportunity to trust me. And so I literally like do it periodically during the dates. I would just like, okay, we're gonna go cross right here, and I'd grab her hand and we go across the road, mm-hmm. and she would just walk with me. I'm like, okay, we're good, because I know if 
she hesitates, then we're, we're in a different situation. But that yeah. leadership and that decision making is what I believe is the core of masculinity. Yeah. Interesting. Actually, now that you think, like, I there's a couple of girlfriends I have like that too who don't jaywalk. But sometimes I, I forget that they don't jaywalk, so I'll just do it, and then they follow. Yes. Or there's a one of my best friends. She hates doing it, so I have to give her a little a bit of a prep, and I'm like, I'm ready to go. I'm like. Ready? Three, two, one, and we. And then she runs, and I just walk across. But it's like I've decided that we're gonna do it, and then yeah. she just runs. Jaywalking. The, Toronto's the jaywalking capital of the world, though. Like you're Is allowed it? to jaywalk in Toronto. Oh yeah, like yeah. you. It's it's like, so easy it's, to do. It's the thing to do. You don't get hit. No, there. I'm. I've almost been hit more by bikes than I have been by cars because I forget bikes exist sometimes. Yes. Um, but no, I think this has all been uh, great stuff in terms of of mentorship, and I think that's. One of the things, even though I don't prescribe to Christianity anymore, is like I think the best thing about it is that there is a good network for mentorship. Yes. And the more I think about it, like a lot of the division that comes in the world is there's no real one fundamental belief that we all have that we all congress on anymore. And it used to be Christianity or it used to be, or at least in in the Western world, it was Christianity and that's kind of faded. Um, And that's been something that I've noticed. There's a lot less support systems for young men nowadays Mm. uh which i think is a really sad thing unless you seek it out and it's not really something that's taught to you we live in a very individualistic take your phone home like live Mm. in your own world kind of thing kind of environment and i think that's kind of been a detriment in a lot of ways even though i don't agree that the church especially men in the church hold the saying power of what it is to be a man, what it is to be a married person. I don't think they hold, just because of my experience of it, I don't think anyone there knows more about marriage than the next man, other than what kind of like is scripturally taught. Yes. There's a lot of people in the church that are have a, the same divorce rate as outside the church. So it's clearly not a hmm. church thing where you know it all. It can't be, because I've seen so much shitty stuff in the church i know so many couples that have divorced and lived through that and they all say the same thing that they're they're all prescribed to christianity so it's obviously not obviously no one in the church knows anything about marriage more than the next man in my opinion just because of this this year empirical data that exists that you if you're if you're a christian and married the success rate isn't higher than if you're not christian and married mm-hmm. so but i think the the thing that the church has over other systems is that there becomes that support group that um i guess isn't as easily accessible when you're not in the church but that's just like my yeah and it would depend church by church too Mm -hmm. and and i also think that that in the church divorced people are lepers which is the opposite of what like when christ came he touched the leper Mm-hmm. And because these were outcasts of society, they were brought, you know, you had to leave the town because you, if you touch anyone, you're going to get leprosy. Like you were contagious and you got kicked out and you would just hang out with other lepers. And in the church, if you have divorce, because the scripture says that if you are, if you are married and you divorce and you get remarried, that's adultery. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Luke, it's the book of Luke that says it and it's very blunt. And so, you know, the dogmatic way of thinking is like, okay, no, that is what scripture says. Therefore, we're writing it off. You know, if you have failed in your marriage, we're going to write you off. It's the saddest, most unredeeming message possible. Mm -hmm. And you think, 
this is a God that came to reconcile all humanity to himself. And through the bloodline of Christ, there's like prostitution and incest and like guys and, and adultery all throughout the whole thing. And so how are we then going to be in a church that says, no, you're you're written off and you can't get remarried and I won't remarry you because you've been married to some of the thinking as well. Like ministers don't want to marry people that have been previously married. That's not the case in all churches, but... Yeah, it's a it's a fundamental failure because I believe that the image of God is is fulfilled in an incredible way through a man and a wife married in union in, in and having that unity and then birthing children from that. Mm-hmm. And the center of your marriage, the center of your family is your marriage, not your children, because mm-hmm. that's another way of you know, oh the kids are doing this, the kids are doing that. Like okay, you're chasing your kids around to all these activities and like. Your center of your merit, your center of your family is your marriage. And le- like, you know, you tell your kid, don't talk to my wife like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's his mother, but, you know, that's your wife. You know, like th- there's just a different way of thinking that I think is presented in certain churches, not at all. Mm-hmm. And the statistics are the same. The, the, inside the walls and outside the walls, the divorce rate is the same. Mm-hmm. And that is a fundamental failure. And I believe that it's a direct attack on what the image of God is and how he can be glorified through family and through marriage and through uh, a proper understanding of joining and being one with somebody mm-hmm. and the sacrificial love of being married, just giving of yourself for your spouse and learning so much about like beautiful things of your parents have been married for, I don't know how many years 20, they're celebrating something. 33 33 years and so when you know when when they're talking they both know each other so well Mm -hmm. and they know where they're going and they know where they shouldn't go and they know where like and it's just that interaction of Mm -hmm. like being with somebody for that long and loving them that's a choice Mm -hmm. that's not a feeling yeah no my mom falling in love yeah my mom's told me the whole or my whole life that you know it's a choice to fall in love with your father again every day every day and um I think that's always spoken to me a lot as I've grown up. Like, love isn't easy and love isn't really – like, my mom's always like, you can't you can't fall in love. You can't fall out of love. It, yeah. you, like, you have to fall in it every day. Yes. Like, it's not a permanent thing. And then one day you're like, oh, I don't love my wife anymore. Right. Or I don't love my husband anymore. It's You probably lacked communication. There's some other problem there that existed mm. that you never confronted. And, you, you know, you have to choose. Like, she's like, Luke, sometimes I don't love your father. But the next day I know I will. Or, you know, there's maybe some stretches where we're not as happy as we once were, but we know we'll get it back if we continue to talk. And, like, there are so many instances where we all just know each other. Like, even me, I know my parents now. It's, like, 23. I've been alive for 23 years, so I know what their reaction will be to a lot of things. Um, Or it's, like, they might be arguing downstairs about what they want to watch for TV that night. And then they just, they both know what's going to happen yes. and they just let it happen. Like they, there's a lot less arguing anymore because it's just like, well, we know each we other. We know you. Yep. So like, just like, yep. this is going to happen. And uh, I always find it really cute when they just don't argue because yep. they just know each other so well now. It's, and it's a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. I think like love, love is bloody and gruesome and, and it's fighting and it's, you know, 
breaking your your own desire for fulfilling someone else's and there's something that's so gorgeous about laying your life down for someone else and just being able to say i don't want i know i want this Mm -hmm. my wife knows i want things but she watches me give her what she needs first and what she wants first she watches me Mm -hmm. and i get i just i'd surrender what i want and i just give her what what she and then and then my life is more rewarding because like watching her enjoy what she enjoys mm-hmm. is is life giving, and and I think you know with children that that expression keeps on continuing. Like all people want is the best for their kids mm-hmm. in a healthy environment. That's not true for all. Unfortunately, it's not true. Like mm-hmm. people have broken, broken, broken life uh, as a child, but. You know, in a healthy household, they want their kids to surpass them. They want their kids to succeed, mm-hmm. and they want to provide and give. And that's that sacrificial love is is beautiful. Like your mm-hmm. parents probably, they, they they haven't gone on the vacations because they've got four children. Mm-hmm. You know, they have had to make that choice to, you know, give of their time and homeschool and do like how much of giving of themselves to make sure that you're here now and mm-hmm. successful and articulate and loving and caring and, mm-hmm. and doing being yourself. Yeah. And how you could just probably breathe and they'd be like, we love you. Yeah. And I think this has been a nice, this avenue has been a nice healing process for my mom and my dad and I. And like since being home from university, I felt I'm not going to be fake around them anymore. Not that mm-hmm. I was like super fake beforehand, but it's just like, this is the me you're going to get and you have to be willing to accept that because I'm not subscribing to the same code of ethics and law that you have raised me by, which is very hurting to them. And yeah. I know that. Yeah. And I know it's not great for them. And so when my mom, you know, I know she listens to my podcast. There's things that I know will hurt her mm. that I've done. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for her to listen to this episode because she doesn't know any of this stuff. Um, oh, no. <laughs> but she also said, like, if I if I tell her not to listen to an episode, she won't. Um, That's respect, yeah. Yeah, but it's been, it's been really healing for us because I think they want to know who I am or, like, what I'm doing, and they don't want to... I think they'd much rather hear me say this than restrict it and then not know what I'm doing because they want to be part of my life long term. Mm-hmm. Like my parents are playing a long term game mm-hmm. with it all, which I see now. Um, and I know that because of the things that I've like who I what I'm saying, what I've done, it's not gonna always be great for their mental health. Or their love for me. It's going to be really hard for them to accept. But I think they just know that now that this is a start for conversations with them that we've always avoided. Mm. Because now if I know that they've heard it, I can have the conversation with them. But if they haven't heard it, then I won't start it. So I think I'm comfortable talking to you about it. And Mm -hmm. then they find that now I can be comfortable talking to them about it Mm -hmm. when the time's right. Yeah. But if... So it's, it's interesting. I think it's been really healing um, in regards to like that aspect of it, which is, you know, my mom said to me on Sunday after a conversation, like, you have to know what's broken in order to fix it. Mm-hmm. And like, I've always believed that. So, hey, like, whatever, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to live my life how I see fit. And I don't expect them to support 
every decision, but they know that I expect them to love me at all times, and they know that they should expect me to love them at all times, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. To know that the life that I prescribe by isn't the one that they see for me. But also my man, my dad is such a man of faith that he thinks, or he knows, I'll use his terminology, he knows that I will right the ship at one point. So, I don't feel like your ship is going in the wrong direction. So, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be true to what's true to your experience. Mm-hmm. And if, like, I had a, I had an overcoming experience with God and I couldn't deny it. Like, he changed my whole life. What am I going to do? Walk in another direction now? It's like, how can I do that? Because I've had that experience. And if, for you, you haven't had that powerful, you know, real, uh, intervention then you know then you have to be honest to that mm-hmm. and especially growing up you know we got burnt by the church you know this this system is becoming more it's it's more of a control than it is any sort of freedom and you know the underbelly of christianity is these you know closet charismatic guys that are and girls that are in these churches and they're really finding the love of god and becoming transformed and made new and um you know, it's there. It's in the walls. It's just mm-hmm. not from the pulpit necessarily. Yeah. And there's a lot of lovely people doing it from the pulpit. But, um, yeah, those are things to struggle with. Mm-hmm. When, when your idea of a redeeming God doesn't match the people that he's supposed to be inside. Like, how do you reconcile that? Mm-hmm. And that's an honest way of approaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, looking for those dynamic experiences with Holy Spirit changing who you are. Like, come on. Yeah. I like no one can convince me otherwise. Like it's yeah. just literally like I've lived this. It's, this is literally who I am. I can't change it. Like I I can't apologize for it. I can just continue to live the same way. And I think that's the same approach you have with your current life, mm-hmm. right? Where you are now. You're like this is who I am. This is why I'm here. I'm discovering, I'm learning, I'm being humble to things. Um you know, that's an honest way of pursuing it. And if you pursue truth, you'll find it. Period. Yeah. You will find it. And that's whether whether it's good news bad news in any situation the truth is underneath there and it's it's available yeah and then um i think you were talking about unhappy families i in my last podcast well i guess my last posted podcast episode nine with scott mm-hmm. we talk about because he comes from a divorced family we talk about um happy families unhappy families i think you might be interested if you haven't heard it i haven't heard the newest one so then you might be interested in hearing that um because it's a really honest talk about you know if divorce affected him or not yes um and we had some a good conversation about you know how people if they people are are offered with the opportunity to eradicate one thing from the earth they always often say poverty um or like unhealthiness i guess like my answer is always uh, broken homes or unhealthy ham- families. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense that you can't be divorced or anything like that, but the fact that a child has grown up in a loving, nurturing, happy environment. Yes. I think that's the most important thing to me and a, a cause of why people go into addiction, people are addicted to a lot of things, people are going to drugs. Um, I think it's that's the root cause of a lot of issues. Um, so I think you might be interested in hearing that out. Do you read? Yes. Okay, I think the next time... My dad sees you. I'll give him a book that awesome. I read. It's yeah. called The Unmade Bed. And it talks a lot about how... love that title. The family is so important. The marriage is so important. Yes. It talks a bit about pornography. Um, 
it's not from a religious perspective, I don't think, but it's uh, it's a really good book that I read, I bought and read. I have some notes in it too, so I, I forget what they are. But you'll find my narration through it. Um, Very but cool. I might loan it to you. What a gift! I'll, well, I've, I'll read that for sure. I've given a couple books lately to some friends, and you got things in the margin. And I have like, things in the margin, and like just during my prep calls, I was able to be like, "Oh, I read a book that I think they, this person might like." Um, that stands out to them. So that's really cool. With uh, Olaf, I gave him a book on philosophy because mm-hmm. I know he's into it. Mm-hmm. With uh, my friend Pablo, for episode eight. He comes from Rexdale, and I'd recently read a book about. He in the book he talks about how he dressed up like a drug dealer and was always stopped by cops. And he's like, so he comes from a perspective of he grew up. This guy that wrote the book grew up in a rough neighborhood where he had a lot of bad relationships with men, with um, his own father, everyone in his family, or in, all of his friends group didn't have a father in their life or were in jail. So there's drug addiction. They're, they grew up on hip-hop, kind of like what you said, too. Mm-hmm. So you might be interested mm-hmm. in this book as well. Um, but it was it was just talking about how men need to take a lot more accountability for their actions. Yes. And now he's a, become a mentor for a lot of men um, through his volunteering or through his... And so he wrote a book, and I gave this book to my friend because I think he would relate a lot to some of the core themes, even though he had his father around. He's one of the only very few men in, in his friend group or the only guy in his friend group that had his father present in his life. Mm-hmm. And so he thinks that that's the, one of the reasons he's been able to escape from a lot of those ideas of what would be a negative life. Um, but I think this book would be one that you might be able to relate a lot to as well. Sounds great. So I'll give it to my dad to give it to you. Sure. Um, but I guess to close off with... Um, the three questions that I always ask. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of one thing, in in regards to your relationship, your relationship with your father, what is one thing that he taught you that sticks with you to this day as you continue to live your life? So, my dad he hasn't come up in this podcast for um, since we really started. No, I don't but, think so. Um, he's uh, more of a quiet, strong, masculine man like mm-hmm. he's like kind of the uh what do they call it when stereotypical you know, yeah the the picture of what you would expect from like like he's a he's a guy's guy he's a he's a construction he owns a construction company and he's got all the tools he's got the toys you know he's he's that he's tim the tool man taylor like nice. he's uh, <laughs> classic yeah and um when i was i hit a rock bottom publicly at our one of our family events at the house and I had a huge blowout and um, it was embarrassing I was just I was all over the place and (laughs) yeah bad (laughs) I'll just say that bad and I had message a friend you got to pick me up and my friend picked me up and I I didn't see I don't I think it was gone for a week or two I didn't go home I was like just out of it and when I got back home um my dad's like, okay, you're going to come work with me. And he just like gave me a job and we were, uh, he was working, you know, this construction company. So I was doing these doorknobs and, you know, taking them off and labeling them and just like started with really simple things. And I stayed working with them, learned the tools, learned how to do construction that side, um, went back to school while doing that and then ended up you know, becoming a project manager for the company that was giving us work. And now I'm the general manager of that company. And, you know, we give work to my dad's company. Mm. I don't do it directly, but he gets work from the company. So it's like he's watched me progress. But that 
moment of, and his one one of his biggest advice that he said is that don't reward bad behavior. However, he, his biggest act that he's done that just like literally saved my life because I was going off the end. And when he gave me that job and I was working with him every day, that saved my life. Mm-hmm. And it gave me hope and a new chance. And um, he did reward bad behavior. And so it's kind of interesting that like kind of dichotomy of it's not really his advice, but it's what he did. And, um, and it's against what he what his advice was. But it, that act was extremely mm-hmm. impactful on me. So to kind of sidetrack from my three questions, did you ever talk to him about that moment? Yes. Yeah. Like while on the job? No. When I came back to the Lord in the more recent years and I was reflecting okay. on how powerful that was. Uh, because I was still drinking at that time. So this is like 10 years ago. This is when mm-hmm. I was like younger. And uh, I did talk to him. I said, I said, Dad, like you saved my life when you gave me that job. And then he like very quietly, he's like, I guess I still had hope for you. And it was just like, crush me. You know, like dad mm-hmm. saying something like, ah, like everything's broken in me. You know, yeah. And I just, I hugged him. I think I gave him something. Like I, I made it kind of a moment, like mm-hmm. just to thank him. Because uh, it truly did. It saved my life. I was, I was broken at that time. Because I don't see it as a reward personally, like for, from your story. It seems yes. like he was... It's, it seems like he was not rewarding you because normally if you give someone work, it's like this is a task like that a you discipline. have to have. It's yeah. a discipline thing. Sure. And it seems more like he was trying to take you out of the old life that you had, mm-hmm. which you probably thought was more of your reward, mm-hmm. like the the bad behavior. So he was trying to discipline you or ground yeah, you that's by a more forcing healthy you perspective. Yeah, to yeah. discipline. That, well, that, yeah. That's one of his advice, that don't reward bad behavior. That's one of the things. Okay. And then – my second question to that is always, um, what is one thing that y- you wish he taught you that you had to learn on your own? I would say it's around sex, uh, around women. Um, my, my, yeah, they got divorced when I'm, my old younger sister was 18. Mm-hmm. So as soon as she was 18, my mom had left. So she was not interested in salvaging the marriage or, or making it work. She had made a decision she wanted to be divorced and... Uh, even though my dad tried and so on, it, it just was falling apart. And so we, I came home to an empty house the same way that he came home to an empty house. So she had taken half the furniture and, you know, moved out, mm. um, left a note. Like it was crushing, crushing. And I had to walk around this house with my dad after he, his wife just left him. Like he was brutal, like mm-hmm. brutal, brutal, brutal. And, you know, I think it, it has to do with marriage. It has to do with uh, not necessarily just sex, but respect for, for women. And um, Not that my dad was disrespectful, but he was just very uh, condemning and quite judgmental. And there was no doing good, even as, as a wife, right? It's like, you know, so being taught how to build someone up and mm-hmm. say good things and find the gold in people and talk about the good things instead of, you know, it's easy to find things wrong and judge people and so on. Um, so that's one of the things that, you know, I wish I was taught. And I, I think that he, he needed to learn and he's learning now, uh, in the aftermath of, of divorce and, um, he's got a new partner now and she's, um, probably struggling with the same kind of stuff, but he's, he's, he's being whittled away, mm-hmm. learning this, you know, how to build someone up and, and speak positively about people. And do you still talk to your mom? Or? Yes. Okay. 
Yeah, we're close. Uh, and then last question is, what is one thing that you want to teach uh, your future kids or the kids of the future in case you don't want kids? Yeah, we're planning some kids. Uh, okay. Not right away, <laughs> but yeah, we are planning kids. And uh, there's so much. There's so much. Like, I, I, we both agree, like, we're not going to goo-goo gaga our kids. Like, we're going to be like, hey, how are you? Like, you know, just actually have real conversations so you can learn vocal, like, how to how to actually vocalize, mm-hmm. like, early. And, you know, I want to teach you the atlas and teach you countries and teach, like, early. Just try to create a genius child. Um, but I think core value-wise, it, it'd probably be, maybe the deepest thing is sacrifice, which is love. And so I think that that would be the most important thing. And um, as any Christian parent, they want their kids saved. They want their kid to trust in Jesus. They want their kid to go to heaven. That's the that's the ideal. You know, you raise your kid up in the ways of the Lord, and they won't depart from it. And that's that's the struggle uh, with most Christian parents when they're watching their kids kind of waver around and so on. It's like, how do we steer our children back to the love of God? Mm-hmm. And I really want to have dynamic god experiences in the household that the kid that my child's children will be able to see that they they're praying that god is real because they just saw a demonic manifestation of somebody in the living room Mm -hmm. and they're like i need god to be real because that freaked me out and that was real and i have to i have to have a real experience with god because i need to see his power because there like this literally just happened Mm -hmm. and so you know, being open to having real God encounter for my kids, I think, at an early age. And then they can be devil killers for the rest of their life. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's a good one. But as someone who has, I guess, moved You've been away. You've burnt by it, yeah. No, uh, don't, uh, like, I would say, yes, it's really important to want that for your kids. But don't put that as a burden on yourself that you were a failure as a parent. Oh, that's good advice, yeah. As someone who's not a parent, but has grown up in a home that that is their main goal too. Mm-hmm. It can be crushing for the parent to see y- you as a child not follow the ways, even though they did their best to do that. And yeah. it can be very heavy on them to think that they failed as a parent. But it's not. It's the kid making their own choice when they've grown up, seen what they've seen, and now have made a choice. And I think that has been one of the hardest struggles on my parents, I would say, is that they've wanted that for us. And speaking for myself, we, we as kids have not given them a, a good proportion of that success. Um, but to not wear that as a burden on you as a bad parent Mm -hmm. would be a very important thing because it's not your fault that your kids. But if you, if you were grown up and you were 10 years old and a demon spoke out of someone's stomach and said some wild craziness, and then you watched your parents pray, I'm not trying to impose on on them because I know them, but you watch them pray and this demon left the person and they were in the right mind. Would you be different? I don't know. 
I like because I would. I don't know if I've seen that or not. If I'm reflecting on my life, I don't know if I've. Maybe my parents have seen them as godly experiences, and I just saw them as another day. Right. Like like they weren't okay. that drastic to me. Yes. And I'm just like I don't give a shit. Like, like I would say I've seen weird things happen. Yes, miracles. Miracles. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't. But did I see them as miracles? Interesting. I don't know, because I don't think so. So I would say no. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm speaking as someone who maybe didn't experience that. I would say that no. I would not be different. <laughs> like I want to put my kids through traumatic things. That's probably my yeah. advice. Like no, probably not. Like yeah. you know, I'll have different ways of leveling this off. But I think you know facilitating a life that you know this is what i do mm-hmm. that, like this is how i live and not being shy to present that to yeah kids because from my personal experience or from i guess my my own thing is like i sometimes feel like the church is very brainwashing and it takes advantage of people mm. in desperate situations mm. like if you think of lepers i guess or castaways it's a great place like i sometimes i feel the church spends too much time going after those in in hopeless situations to try to fix them rather than going after like i guess people that are educated in in a lot more circumstances middle class class. like i feel like sometimes they take because the middle class don't need god yeah people on the fringes do but i think that the idea that someone needs god yes is very um, I need God to breathe. Self-absorbed. I I got I got a great income. I, yeah. I get, I'm responsible. I got talents. I got all these things. I can't literally breathe unless I have God. Period. I literally I can't function. I'm the worst person. I was going through. I have an old Twitter account, mm-hmm. and everything I was saying was complete bollocks. Like yeah. the whole thing. I'm like, who is this person that was saying this nonsense? Yeah. And I'm just like deleting things. Like feeling like, oh my gosh, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! Thank you that I'm literally not the same person. So yeah, I'm freaking mad. But I, I, and like I just think the whole idea of like teaching children from a young age to do that is pretty brainwashing. Even like, even in education, I think a lot of things are brainwashing. So it goes both ways. But I'm like, I don't Re- like the yeah, idea. <laughs> yeah, it's like renewing your mind. That can be taken as brainwashing. It's interesting. I, I don't know if brainwashing is wrong. Because it's like Hitler says, give me kids from one to five or zero to five. Just yeah. Give them, give them me for that many years. I don't need to talk to them ever again. Yeah. They're done. And they'll do exactly what I want. Brainwashing. Yeah. Is, is something that is happening regardless of if you want it to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's either you're being brainwashed for good things or bad things. Yeah. And some people just call it education, I guess. Yeah, brain, <laughs> education is brain like brainwashing is a is a tricky term because yeah. I think that you know renewing your mind, becoming being taught something for the first time. You know, I can be taught that you know, the first day I was taught about gravity, I was I was subject to gravity my whole life. But the first day that I was taught it in science class, I walked out of the classroom feeling different. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, this thing's holding me down. Like I'm being sucked to the earth, and it was like that, like that understanding just came but before that I was still like I, I had my mind I had my body I had everything but then I got taught something and I came out different yeah no, I think that's fair I just don't like how it pre- it seems to be pre- like very predatory on to mm. hopeless people in a lot of cases but don't they do good things with the hopeless people I hope so 
I hope so. We have all these like branch out programs and stuff to help people that are impoverished and you know in, in sex trafficking and all this stuff. It's like you know trying to help, trying to get people set free. Yeah, you know that's the goal. True freedom. I hope so too. Thank you.